Well, good morning, and uh, again, welcome to Fellowship Bible Church. And this is uh, kind of the ending part of our Global Missions Week. That's always one of those sad times because the week goes by so quickly. And uh, we did a lot of uh, things during the week here, a lot of uh, times of study together and laughing together and catching up. Uh, hallway conversations, uh, grabbing a lunch here and there, and uh, the night with um, community groups on Monday night, and the sports night Tuesday night, and just the, the everybody went to the um, Bible Museum on Wednesday, so we took a whole bunch of folks there, and um, family night Friday night. I mean, it was just it's a busy time, and here it goes by so quickly. Um, but I hope you were able to take advantage of something, uh, even this last hour up in the Learning Center class, if you were able to uh, attend one of the, the, the talks there. Um, a great week. This, this summer, uh, this past summer, I had the privilege of being back in Nebraska and back visiting the, the church, the only other church I have, I've had the privilege of pastoring, in a little rural Nebraska, Butte, Nebraska, population 500 people. And it was, um, now, most of the folks that we ministered to back there, it's been 30 years since we were in there. So most of them are part of the church in heaven and no longer part of the church on earth. They were elderly at the time. Uh, and yet I was able to connect with some of the folks that uh, we had had the privilege to impact and then be impacted by. And it was, it was so delightful, so much fun to hear the faithfulness of God and to hear what God has done. The church there, this little rural church, is growing, um, it's, uh, it's thriving. And one of the most encouraging things was to talk with some of the spiritual children of the people that we had ministered to and now got to see kind of that second and third generation of, of believers and to hear their story and hear how God um, was showing up in their life. And so we just had a great time of laughing about the, uh, the, the past and reminiscing about God's faithfulness and then seeing what He's doing now. I think of what Paul wrote in uh, 1 Thessalonians when he thought of the Thessalonian church. And in chapter 1, he wrote, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ grace to you and peace. And he said, we give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and the presence of our God and Father. Paul had started that church, had planted that church, and then had to leave because of persecution and different things. And he, he, he writes them and he says, we just thank the Lord for you because of, of what He is doing, your work of faith, your labor of love, your steadfastness of hope. And then in verse 8, He said this, For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. Your faith has sounded forth. He was celebrating their work of faith, their labor of love, their steadfastness of a hope, and the, the propagating of that faith, the propagating of the good news, 
um, wherever they were mentioned. This past week, we've had that privilege, that joy of hearing what God is doing around the world. And because we had the kind of missions program that we do here, there's these personal connections, um, and we are able to catch up and hear what's going on and, and uh, get reacquainted and renew our friendships, uh, not just us with them, but them with each other, um, people from Africa with Latin America and inner city Chicago and all, all around. So it, it is, it's, it's such an encouraging and delightful thing. And one of the things that I always find encouraging is to understand how creative God is. God just has such creativity in the propagating of the gospel and, and to use us in that process. So I want to invite Jim Poole, one of our missions pastors up here, and Tony Nakali and Joshua Yakubu to come join me because um, Tony is um, the general director of a, of a ministry in, out of, based out of Nigeria called Equa TV. Equa is the large mission organization, large church uh, ministry, evangelical church winning all Equa. And about a year and a half ago, you guys started a, a, a TV broadcast, a program, a, a multiple program TV. And uh, when, when Jim and, and, and Scott were over there a year ago, um, some interesting things began to develop. Why don't you pick up the yeah. story? So last year, uh, Scott and I were over there with the invitation of Joshua. And we shared with a conference with some churches, missionaries that are going to the French-speaking countries of Africa. And when we wrapped up, we were in Josh, which is the headquarters of where Equa is. And Tony and the staff there of Equa TV, they asked us if we would teach two of the Knowing God lessons in the studio there of Equa TV. And so we did. And then after we finished that, that afternoon, we were talking some more. And Scott had the idea of the possibility of uh, Joshua teaching all of the Knowing God lessons uh, at Equa TV and then being recorded and then them being broadcasted uh, throughout where, these, uh, wh- where they're broadcasted. And, and, and the Knowing God lessons are things that have been developed here. Right, exactly. That we've been using and, yeah. and, and sharing. And... Yeah, they're up in the stairwell um, here if you guys wanted to get a copy. But not only do we teach those... Um, in Nigeria, but all around the world in different various places that we work, and also in Learning Center class. We've done it for a number of years in a Learning Center class. And so um, we, as a church, were able to um, help to uh, fund that, uh, that broadcast for uh, the Knowing God lessons as they went out. And then as these guys were getting ready to come, they sent us an email a month or so ago saying, hey, we would just like to share uh, some of the stories about how God is using uh, the broadcast uh, with the lessons uh, while, we're, while we're at FBC for our, our week together. So you guys share with us what God's doing. Okay, thank you. Uh, just as you said, uh, during their visit last year, we started the idea of this uh, teaching the knowing God lesson. And then as we start I start teaching knowing God lesson, I, I see amazing things. Uh, first and foremost to my life. I have read the knowing God lesson before, but because of the teaching the Equa TV, I have to go and study it over and over. And as I study, uh, it unveiled to me to know God more deeper. I, I discovered that the Christian life is a relationship. 
And for you to have an intimate relationship with somebody, you must know that person. And so the best way to have intimate relationship with God is to know God, and you only know God through his word. And that's what knowing God lesson does. So it unveiled to me who God is. As a supreme God, nothing takes him unaware. He's in control. So personally, I have a deeper revelation of who God is. And of course, that relationship is shared with my family. And then the second phase of it is the impact of knowing God's lesson with Equa TV staff. Because I have to get to the studio to, for the recording of those lessons. And then anytime I am in the studio, there are a few Equa TV staff that are there to follow up the teachings. And then what I hear afterward is amazing thing. This teaching is opening my eyes to know God more and more. And then part of the Equa TV staff, there are no opportunity to be in the studio, perhaps some that are in the transmission room where these lessons are aired uh, out. And as they're also there to air it out, I also hear amazing testimony. In fact, one of the Equa TV staff said, like, has faithful with life, something like God is, you know, she feel like I'm disappointed. But through the non-God lesson, she understands and say yes. So realize that, look, all of this confusion was because of her inadequate knowledge of who God is. But she realized now, nothing passes God, nothing takes God unaware. He's in the whole, uh, in control of all situation. And then out there to the audience, I, I received a lot of calls, a lot of text messages, a lot of emails testifying the impact of knowing God's lesson in their lives. There are some that have approached me as I talk now, mentoring them. They want to know mm. more about God. Some have called and said, Joshua, will you mind teaching me on how to know God deeper and deeper? One person particularly called and said, look, I've been following the teaching of knowing God's lessons since it started, and then I discovered that it teaches the truth. I before then have a lot of confusion about who God is, and then I felt perhaps I have to put more effort, I have to, you know, do more of this to be accepted by God. But I realized it's not all about that. I discovered the reason why I'm up and down, I'm unstable in the Christian life is because I don't know God. But as you teach, I got to know God more and more. So he's uh, speaking a lot to many people. And then, in fact, somebody said, look, I have been living under the law. But as I listen, the knowing God lesson, as you teach them, I discover that the Christian life is all about grace and not about the law. Yeah. So, I mean, so it leads people from being bondage under the bondage of the law and then getting to know God more and then get to trust him more. And Joshua, is that pretty prevalent, that mindset of, of, uh, of, of, of living under that legalism? Is that pretty prevalent? Uh, throughout Nigeria or all, all over? Where... Sure. Uh, particularly in Nigeria, you find out that people understand this, that the more, the more you commit, the more you go to church, the more you fast, the more you pray, the more you read the Bible, that will make you being accepted to God. So people are more legalistic in their service of God. They don't really understand this level of relationship. You know, just relax, understand, do have a relationship with God. So it's a common... And, and so your program, it's a weekly program... Yeah, uh, it's weekly program. Uh, it is at by if, uh, Sunday, eight Sunday, 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. That's one hour. But Equa TV has come up, seen its impact, so they repeat that same lesson every Wednesday, 1 to 2. 
So it broadcasts twice a week, but they sing okay. uh, uh, the same lesson on Sunday and then on Wednesday. Tony, tell us a little bit about Aqua TV, because you're the, the general manager. You've been there from the very beginning. What's the impact of it? What, tell us about Equa TV then and, and the, the, the breadth of that ministry. Well, summarily, Equa Television is in 106 countries of Africa and parts of Europe. And uh, we're reaching out to um, 23 to 24 million homes mm. that are watching for six hours and above. Those 23 to 24 million people are people who watch six hours and above a day. And we have um, testimonies uh, from all over the continent and uh, these parts of Europe where our reach is. And um, we have people calling even from the nation of Islam within uh, this, this region asking us if, as a Christian, you are entitled to every page of the Bible. And we say, yes, that's why you have a copy at home. And they say that they compare our teachings, especially teachings like knowing God. We have several other teachings too. So they compare these teachings with what's in the Quran. Because in the Quran, you're not allowed to read every passage every page of the Quran. There are some uh, pages you skip because as a normal person, you are unworthy to even touch the leaves of these pages. So you, you go across so the imam would read it and you are at the mercy of his interpretation, you know. And uh, the Lord has been doing a lot of great things. We have uh, uh, a lady who called last year towards the end of the year to tell us how that she was watching a program, Decision Time by Reverend Yako. And... Um, she gave her life to Christ. She's a stylist during the day. She has a salon in Zimbabwe. And then at night, she's a prostitute. Hmm. So when, when, she, when she, she locks up her shop, she goes into prostitution. And that forced her husband to divorce her. So now she watched. It's called Decision Time. She watched the program. And then God got her back into his folk. And she gave her life to Christ. So she had the program on doing oh. someone's hair and nails. Yeah. While a prostitute at night. Yeah. And she's listening to Reverend Yako and, and yeah. Joshua and knowing God has a TV up. That's, 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 that's it. And then she gave her life to Christ. Now that's what they watch 247 in her salon in Zimbabwe. So I, I know that as she's watching, she would keep up with the series knowing God and she would know God through that. <laughs> Tell us too, if you can, about, um, I know there was a, a family, a, a, a Muslim family that um, you had mentioned that had... Uh, yeah, uh, there's this uh, Muslim family in, uh, if you're conversant with Nigeria, you know about the happenings, Boko Haram and all of that. Right. Now, it's in the state where the Boko Haram resides. This family lives there, and they have other families in various parts of Nigeria. So when, when, when messages like Knowing God comes up, they make phone calls to other families. They're like, hey, this Joshua guy is on air. Let's listen to what he has to say. And then they compare what he says, Knowing God from the Christian perspective, to knowing God in the Islam perspective. Mm -hmm. And then they, they call to say it's been a blessing to them. So they steal from Christianity to leave once in a while. That's amazing. <laughs> we're so, this is Tony's first time here with us, and we're so glad that you made the effort to be with us. Thank you very and, much. And um, we, we so appreciate 
what you're doing there and all of Equa. Um, um, it is a it is a testimony to the work of God uh, that He'll use us for His glory. So, Jim, do you want yeah, to just lead sure. in prayer and, and yep. let's pray for this? Yep. So, Lord, thank you for just giving us this week together, just bringing us from so many different areas of the world to enjoy fellowship around you. We specifically pray now for uh, Joshua and Tony, their their families, for the Nigeria work, for Aqua TV, just uh, the way that you're using it and the way that you're just getting out to so many different uh, areas uh, and regions and, and various countries. So just now we pray for the listeners that are hearing, uh, hearing your word, that are hearing uh, the Knowing God lessons, that are hearing the various programs. That through your spirit, we know that you're working to draw people to yourself for, for decisions, just like the lady in the salon. And so we're just excited to uh, see and watch what you'll do uh, today and tomorrow and next week and uh, next year and to the decades to come until you, you come and take us to be with yourself. So thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you, guys. I, I never come away from a week uh, like this, an engagement with our, our um, partners from around the world, without being amazed at, uh, at God's faithfulness, but His, His creativity, and uh, that He would be kind enough to let us as a church body uh, be a part of something like that. Um, God, in His grace, has allowed us to be a part of this global gospel venture. Um, and so why do we do what we do here at Fellowship Bible Church? Why this kind of mission program that we have? Why not just a map somewhere and a budget and, and, and leave it at that? Uh, there's a model, I think, found in 1 Thessalonians, and I'm going to invite you to, uh, to that book again, 1 Thessalonians, and, and in chapter 2, um, just like the Apostle Paul was involved in this global gospel venture, he's allowed us to be. And there's this passage in chapter 2, and starting in verse 17, where I think there's a, kind of an outline or, or some characteristics, some aspects of this global gospel venture that are revealed uh, to us. And starting in verse 17, let me pick up what Paul says, verse 17. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, but we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short while in person, not in spirit, were all the more eager with great desire to see your face, for we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or joy or crown or exultation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at His coming? For you are our glory and joy. Let me just mention real quickly five key aspects of an effective global missions program, a global gospel venture. Here's the first one. It's right there in verse 17 and 18. The affections of global gospel venture. Having been taken away from you, being torn away from you, we long to see you. Paul uses a word here, by the way, that's only found in this one place in all the New Testament. And it's the word taken away, and it's a word where you could be translated, we've been orphaned. 
It's the picture, this very emotional picture of a child being torn away from its parents. And Paul is saying, that's what it was like when we left you. Paul had started that church and then because of persecution had to leave. And he said it was like being, being ripped apart from you, being torn away like an orphaned child. There is deep emotion, deep emotion, um, the desolation of the soul by having to leave because we deeply desire you. There was such a, a connection, such a strong personal tie. And God has allowed us at Fellowship Bible Church that kind of a missions ministry. We call it endearing or enduring relationships. Not just a map and a budget, but personal relationships. And yes, miles and miles, thousands of miles separate us, and time separates us. And fortunately, we have two missions pastors and a missions team, and we travel and we can go over there. Uh, but we only get to see you folks sometimes only once every two years. But I'll tell you something. When we were knowing you were coming, we couldn't wait. And it was just with these, with these deep affections. And then we renew these ties. And like at family night, Friday night, it was just so fun to see people, oh, there's, you know, there's the brothers from Kenya, and, and hey, there's Saji and, and Augustine and, and, and Hanson from India, and hey, there's, you know, and it was just this reconnecting. Because God has allowed us a missions ministry, a, a global gospel venture that involves the affections. It's a real visceral, it's a real connection because um, of love. And when our friends leave, uh, we'll feel a little bit orphaned. Um, I wish we could continue this just a little bit longer, just a few more days, and maybe next time we'll be able to do that. Here's a second thing in this passage about a global gospel venture. He talks about the future of it when he said in verse 19, For who is our hope or joy or crown or exultation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus that is coming? You are our glory and our joy. Paul not only lived in the present, he lived in the future. And he saw what it would be like one day when the Lord comes back and we're all in the presence of the Lord. And uh, now there's a great missions uh, uh, week. It'll go on for eternity. And we'll be talking about the stories from uh, what God has done in Latin America and, and in India and, and other parts of the world. And not only that, not only will we be able to reconnect with uh, our friends here, but there'll be people who will be coming up to us, some of those maybe 23, 24 million people that are hearing the decision time through Equa TV or the Knowing God lessons on Equa TV. And they'll come up and say, thank you, Fellowship Bible Church. You, you, you used those lessons and, and, and Equa TV broadcasted the gospel and, and I came to faith and, and my family came to faith. Folks, do you, do you realize the excitement? And, and this is what Paul is talking about in the future. Who is our joy, our crown, our exultation? Is it not you at the Lord's coming? Uh, God has allowed us this privilege. We will never know the impact of what has happened over the years through this ministry at Fellowship Bible Church until we get to heaven. And then it's going to take all eternity telling the stories, telling the stories of what God has done. Here's, let's keep reading. Here's the third aspect of a global gospel venture. Starting in verse 1, it's the work of that ministry. When we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And so we sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, 
to strengthen and encourage you in the faith, to strengthen and encourage you in the faith, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we've been destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we're going to suffer affliction, and so it's come to pass, as you know. And so for this reason, verse 5, when I could endure it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith, for fear that maybe the tempter might have tempted you and our labor would have been in vain. The work that Paul sent Timothy to do there and the work of a global gospel venture is to establish and to strengthen the church there so that when the persecution comes, when the government says, no, you can't do that, when there is pain inflicted because of the name of Christ, there will be strength, they'll be strong, they'll endure and persevere a strong church, and that's what we are a part of here. We are a part of sharing the good news of Jesus, but more than that, the living and abiding word and coming alongside and, and, and just parting, providing resources, and just working together to strengthen the church, establish it more deeply. That's what we do at Fellowship Bible Church. There is a fourth aspect of a global gospel venture. And that is the comfort of it. Because Paul continued in verse 6 and he said, But now that Timothy has come to us from you, he's brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we long to see you. And so for this reason, brethren, in all our distress and afflictions, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. One of the most encouraging things about what we do in global missions here at Fellowship Bible Church is to get together like we have this week and to hear the stories. You know, our faith is just not relegated to our little isolated world here in, in Winchester, Frederick County, Warren County, Clark County, Shenandoah County, right, you know, like a little right here. God is doing some amazing things around the world. And it, it encourages my heart when we hear what God is doing. On, on Thursday, I think it was, uh, Melissa uh, Yukubu, her one of her best friends in Nigeria, had their little 10-year-old daughter taken from the home, taken from them. This, is, this happens all the time. And so she shared that. We were able to pray and pray and pray. And simply by God's mercy and grace, on uh, Friday, uh, Friday night at the family night, with a big smile, she was able to share, God answered that prayer, and that little girl got returned home. Now, that doesn't always happen. There are, there are, are Christian leaders and, and, and workers around the world who don't come back home, at least to their earthly home, because they're, they're, they're martyred for the faith. They go to their heavenly home. But even in that, God is so faithful because the stories continue, because God uses even that for His glory. But we got to celebrate Friday night the return of a little 10-year-old girl. We wouldn't have even known that story if we didn't know the Yakubus. And so there's stories and stories and stories like that. We are comforted here at Fellowship Bible Church because we know God is working around the world, and we get to see it firsthand. We get to... to to touch it. We get to be a part of it. We get hugged by these people as they tell the stories of God's grace. There is another thing, though, I want to bring out in this, in this passage, and that is 
the ultimate goal of a global gospel venture. What is the ultimate goal? Paul said, May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love so that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness. And actually, Paul prays three things in this passage. Three things in this passage. If you go back to verse 10, he says, As we night and day keep praying most earnestly, what? That we may see your face and may complete what is lacking in your faith. Paul's prayer was that their faith would mature and, and be completed That's what we want to see as we travel around the world, as we give our resources. Our number one concern is to see, will their faith be strengthened? And as they come here to Fellowship Bible Church, they want to know that from us. Is this a church that's going to continue on in the faith? Are we going to run with endurance the race that is set before us? Are we as a church going to continue to lift up God's Word and share the good news? Are we going to continue to thrive here? They want to find that out from us. And so Paul prays that their faith would be completed. But then look at verse 12. He also prays that the Lord would cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people just as we also do for you, that their love would increase. You know what the greatest evangelistic tool is out there? It's not some little booklet, not little some methodology. The greatest tool of evangelism is our love for one another. Because the world is being pulled apart and split apart by hatred. And if the world could just see the love, and Jesus said, You'll know, the world will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. If they could just see the, the relationships that are happening here in a week like this, where we can connect and we can express our affections for one another, it's the greatest evangelistic tool. And Paul prays that your love would abound. But the third part of his prayer request there in verse 13 is, so that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That holiness would be manifested. That the life of Christ would be um, reduplicated in in our lives. And when we hear the stories of what God is doing and how Jesus is showing up in the lives of the people that we minister with and partner with, and how it's impacting cultures around the world in very, very difficult and dark places. It's only a testimony that God is, is shaping and fashioning Himself in their life, which comes about through the Word of God. That's what we need to be doing here at Fellowship Bible Church. We need to be having Christ reduplicated in our life, growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord, being serious about our walk with Him, the intimacy of our relationship with Him, and seeing His holiness manifested through us. This morning we celebrate the Lord's table together. You know, we all come together in unity, no matter what culture, what country, no matter where in the world, We all came together at the foot of the cross. We all partook of that little piece of bread, that little cup, all together because we all come to God, the Father, through Jesus Christ. His death, His resurrection, we're one body in Christ. And we celebrated that. And by God's grace, we're going to continue as a body of believers here and around the world to lift His name up and celebrate Him 
And we don't know what, what, the, what next year will bring. I mean, again, God is so creative. If you would have told us that some Bible lessons that we've had here are now going to 23, 24 million people throughout the continent of Africa and even into Europe, and that Joshua Yakubu's face would be there and all this stuff would be going on, it would, would have been hard to believe. What is God planning for next year? And I'm going to bring up Scott McManigle, our missions pastor as well, and, and, and we have some other guests with us this morning. And Daniel and uh, Corrine from uh, Flagstaff, Arizona are also here. Um, last May, Scott and Jim went to Flagstaff. We, as many of you know, have been a part of uh, a very small work for 20 years or so with the Navajo Nation. And it's not an easy work. It's been very difficult, at times very discouraging. And, and, and Scott um, went to this uh, school called Indian Bible College and met Daniel and Corrine and pick up the story at that point, Scott. What yeah, happened? So as you all know, we've been, just as we work with these national pastors and church leaders that are here this week uh, all around the world, there's been a couple of Navajo pastors that we've worked with for uh, going on 20 years. And... Um, to put it simply, that it just really hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, we've continued to go and meet, and and uh, I mean, some teaching and some discipleship is taking place, but it's not really taken off. And and just through the years of making trips out there and visiting churches, and uh, it's we, we have come away with an increasing perspective of just the, the, just the extreme poor condition that the Native American church exists in. And we had come to the point where we, and this isn't our strategy anywhere we work. Our strategy is always to equip the local church to do the work of the ministry. Modern day missions goes into churches and does the work of the mission for the church, bypassing the church. We go in to equip the church so that the church can carry out for itself uh, just the, the function according to God's call and design in its own cultural context. And the, the Native American church is the only church that we work with, you know, anywhere around the world where we are considering sending a new team to start a new work. And that's because of the poor condition of the Native American church. And, and so we wanted to connect with those who have a uh, uh, that, are, that are more involved with uh, Native Americans that have a, a much broader perspective to either, uh, you know, to either correct our perspective or to validate it. And so that's how we became connected with Indian Bible College and connect, contacted them, and they invited us out last May. And they just really, really opened our eyes mm. to just the need that exists. You know, before we went, um, had somebody asked me to guess how many Native American groups there are in the U.S., I, I would have said 20, 25. Had somebody said 50, I would have been really impressed by that. There's 573, and I had no idea. And so share with us some of the things that you, you guys shared with us last May. Yeah. Good morning. Uh, I will say yat'eh, you say oh yat'eh. Yat'eh. Oh, so good morning. I'm from the Navajo Nation. What did uh, we just say? Good morning back, oh, I guess. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you understood. So, um, 
This is not a charismatic yes. church, but that's okay. <laughs> we, need, we need an interpreter. Yeah, it is greeting, greetings in, uh, in Navajo, and you, you affirmed by saying yes, uh, good morning as well. So uh, uh, thank you for learning the heavenly, heavenly language. Um, um, but uh, Scott said uh, 573 tribes, all different languages, different cultures, different customs. My wife is Seneca. Uh, when I, she, we, we both have a different language. When I speak Navajo, she doesn't understand me. Even when I speak English, she doesn't understand me. So, um, but out of those 573 tribes, not one that we know of, a church that is thriving, a church that is reproducing itself, a church that is not only sending and producing leaders within their communities, but um, even, even um, sending them out to the world. The Native, Native America is considered an unreached people group. And this is right in our backyard, right, in, right here in America. And many uh, Native folks, are, um, reservations are spiritually dark. Suicide is three times higher than the national average. Uh, child abuse is two times higher. Those numbers are even higher in Alaska among Alaska Natives so our suicide rate is as much as 10 times higher than the national average. And this is an, 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 an epidemic that's happening right here in America. And, but all that said, our people need Jesus. Our people need Jesus. But one of the things that Native peoples always say, that's, that's the white man's religion. That's the white man's religion. But we're helping our, our students and sharing Jesus in a way that Jesus came from a tribe. He was a tribal man, came from the tribe of Judah and so forth, and we're helping our students break down those barriers in that way. So uh, we're excited to be here to share. Again, there, there is a great a mission to feel right in our backyard that, that, that uh, we are excited that um, uh, the church here is um, beginning to pray about it and follow God's calling, and I'm going to let my wife share a little bit. Um, good morning. Uh, my name is Corrine Esplin. I am from the Seneca Tribe in New York State. I serve as the Dean of Women at Indian Bible College, and I often refer to the reservations as Satan's playground because Satan has really blinded our Native people to the very thing that they need, which is the hope of Christ. Um, a lot of reservations, alcoholism, um, fatherlessness, motherlessness, um, abuse rates are very high. I spend a lot of time, my time at the college, um, counseling a lot of the girls um, to help them understand the full potential that they have um, living out their hope in Christ. Um, and I'm able to do that because I know that Christ has brought me out of a lot of past abuse and um, hurt um, in my past. And I remember growing up, my dad would always say that Jesus is a white man's God, that that's not for our people. And often if, if there is a, uh, if the gospel is shared on my reservation, a lot of the parents will cover their kids' ears and tell them that this is not for them to hear. Um, so that just gives kind of a glimpse of what takes place on the reservations across the United States. Some tribes, um, when a person comes to Christ, it's much like a Muslim coming to Christ. They're ostracized from their tribe and from their community and from their family. Um, the San Juan Pueblos, if a person comes to Christ, the tribal police will escort them off of the reservation, and they're no longer considered part of that tribe. Um, so it, it can be um, an identity crisis when somebody comes to Christ. 
But the great hope is that they have a new identity in Christ, and that's what we're teaching at the Bible College, helping those students to live that out so they can be healthy Native leaders going back into their communities. Corey, so you were saying, too, that it's, it's, it's upwards to 95% of people coming from the reservation have some type of abuse in, the, in, in their background. Yes, and it's not just... Um, mild abuse it's you know extreme abuse so we have to undo a lot of that for them to really embrace the um their true identity in christ we have to overcome a lot of those obstacles um so yeah i would say about 95 percent. and you were able to share your testimony back with in, in the seneca tribe at one point uh, what was that like that kind of an, an experience it was very scary <laughs> <laughs> um yeah when i got saved in 2008 that summer i traveled with the native youth ministry and um, at the end of the summer, I ended by sharing my own, we call it a hope story because a lot of Native people, we don't use Christian terms because if they hear testimony, they won't, they won't come. Um, so we call it a hope story. So I was able to share my story with my own community back home, and it was very scary. Um, but uh, I don't to this day remember what I said. I know it was the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit speaking through me. Mm. But the great thing was that you could hear a pin drop in that building and almost everybody on my reservation was there um, to hear um, my testimony of how I gave my life to Christ. So Daniel, share a little bit about what the past 200 years of white man's attempt to you know, evangelize and reach Native Americans has looked like and what it continues to look like today. Yeah, so after 200 years of missions among Native folks in this country, there's still less than 5% that are followers of Jesus. And I, a big part of that is, you know, when the gospel first came to Native Americans, um, many said, you have, to, you have to stop speaking your language. You have to cut your hair. You have to look like, you know, look like us, look like a white man. And um, that just created a lot of barriers and um, a lot of distrust. But, um, you know, that, that I think with Native folks, we often feel forgotten. We're like a forgotten people. But to, I'm excited about, about um, how God is leading this church to look into how, how, can we, how can we do missions in our backyard here in America. Forgotten until summer because there's so... Yes. Summertime, oftentimes Native folks refer to it as white van season, white van. That's when a lot of missionaries come and they bring their white, their church van. And uh, uh, Native folks, um, you know, we know that's free food and free, free child care too. So... And, um, and we in the white vans, we leave yes. and we pat ourselves on the back right. and we think, oh, what, what, good, what good Anglos, yeah. or what, what good people we are. Mm -hmm. and, and oftentimes the churches continue to struggle. The leaders don't know how to continue the work after that or, or how to even continue a, a youth ministry so the ministry just stays stagnant. The need for a local church, for yeah. strong churches. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Scott, can you just lead in prayer sure. for yep. this whole venture and ministry? Yep. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we uh, just come humbly before your throne of grace and uh, Lord, I'm just so thankful for this body and uh, the way that you have chosen to use us and work through us and the contacts, the resources, the, the friendships, the relationships that you've allowed us to build, build with pastors and church leaders in many different countries and the way that uh,
people are truly hearing the truth and becoming established in the faith. And Lord, it's, a, it's just a, an amazing testimony of your grace and faithfulness in our lives. And, and what an amazing privilege that you would allow us to be a part of it. And, but Lord, at the same time, uh, our hearts are extremely heavy as we consider the history <clears throat> of just Native Americans in the history of, of our white churches, uh, just in the way that ministry was sought to be done among them. We displaced them. We abused them. We've uh, done horribly at uh, seeking to evangelize and disciple them. And Lord, I pray for your divine intervention. And as you divinely intervene, I pray, Lord, that uh, you would just allow us to be a part of just turning that around. Lord, it's, we believe that you're leading us, that you've put on our hearts to form a team of those from our body here that are trained and discipled and equipped and sent out to, to start a new work. Lord, we pray that uh, you would lead and guide, and, and we commit it into your hands. We pray that, Lord, you would just lead us where you want to work with whomever you want, when you want, and that it would all be according to your, uh, just your purposes, your eternal will, and, and for your glory. And so, Lord, we just, again, thank you for this time, this time to celebrate, but also this time to just Come before your throne of grace and just look to you, Lord, for your leading and guidance and direction in the, in the coming years. And uh, thank you for Daniel and Corrine. Thank you for the work that you're doing in and through them there at IBC. Thank you for the lives that are being touched and transformed and discipled. Thank you for the people that you're using them to uh, help uh, come to understand their identity and who they are in Christ. And we just pray that you would continue to, uh, to use them and, and lead them and guide them and direct them. And we just uh, thank you because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, folks. Let's thank you. We, um, we celebrated the Lord's table together and, and that oneness in Christ. Um, and we all come, to, all come unified at the foot of the cross because of what Christ has done for us. We're one body because we have one Lord. And we have one message to share. Uh, and uh, I am so grateful to be part of a church that takes that seriously. Where 20% of our giving goes to the global work of this. Um, and so <laughs> give, Fellowship Bible Church, continue. Be extra generous as we minister just locally and around the world. Um, God is calling us to do some things right here locally. And as we close this morning, I want to invite the, the worship team back on the stage. But, you know, we've talked about uh, we have families driving from Shenandoah County. We want to see a, a church planted down, uh, down in Shenandoah County. And we're going to trust the Lord for that. Um, we know that uh, coming up real, real, real soon is follow the star. 
where we have an outreach ministry to uh, our own community here, where thousands of people will come to hear the, the, the true message of what Christmas is all about, and there's opportunities to sign up for that. Um, right from our own group, we have uh, Joel and Rachel McManigal uh, are going to be leaving next year back to Thailand. They grew up in Thailand, and they're going to go back and, and be a part of, uh, of ministry there. Uh, we're, we're doing a mentorship program here and training young people, uh, and we want to continue to be about that work. Uh, why do we do this? Why do we do this? Uh, Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, we have been saved to proclaim the excellencies of Christ, our great God and Savior. We have an excellent God. We have an amazing, omnipotent, sovereign Lord who is kind and gracious and has made a way for us to have a, an everlasting, eternal relationship with Him. And we live in a world of darkness, and they need to hear that message. We do it because we want to be obedient to that God. We do it because He has graced us. We do it because we love Him. And we'll continue to be that kind of a church. Would you bow your head, please? Would you please stand with me, too, and let's pray. Father, as we can conclude this, this week of global missions, and Lord, we're grateful that we have uh, a message to share, and we can do it in, in partnership with the dear, dear friends from around the world. And while we do it, we can encourage them and help establish them, and they encourage us and help strengthen and establish us. Father, I thank you. We are a better church because of these partners, these friends of ours who come and we can and be with. And we're, we're so grateful, Father, for the way you've opened doors and allowed us this, um, this ministry. Um, it's only a testimony to, to you, to what you have done. And so, Father, thank you. You are a great God, greatly to be praised, greatly to be proclaimed. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen.